Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. I've said it before that there are times and seasons in our life when storms blow up suddenly, and they catch us by surprise, and we're unprepared, and often we're overwhelmed. And in those moments, we question our father, we question our faith. And I want you to know that Lori and I have been walking through such a storm over the last several months. You've heard that Lori has uh, breast cancer, and it's an aggressive type, and it's often fatal, and it's always expensive to treat. And I want to declare to you that God has worked miracles in our life through you. Many of you have prayed, Hope House, and we have friends in Mexico, people across the United States. Many of you have given meals and encouragement, hope, and uh, even gifts of money. We have prayed that God would remove the cancer, and he did. After four treatments, Lori had a PET scan in the middle of the cycle that we've been in, and the PET scan showed that there was no cancer in her body anywhere. We prayed that Lori would be preserved from the side effects of these treatments. And she was. She has been. In, in fact, uh, the, the first round of treatment um, is uh, very strong, potent medicine. Um, sometimes people take one dose and their immune system is so compromised that they can't do any more. Lori has always bounced back after each treatment. Her immune system has been at the top level of operation. And that's because of your prayers. We prayed that God would provide resources for us, and he did in ways far beyond what we imagined or thought or expected. God gave us a word that there would be life, and he fulfilled it. He gave us a word that we would have peace in the midst of the storm, and we did. And so we've walked into both trusting in our Father. Mother Teresa wrote or said, what we do is less than a drop in the ocean. But without that drop, the ocean would be diminished. And you have been a part of God's miracle for us. Our our world is broken. We know this. Injustice prevails often. Difficulties and obstacles are common. And and yet we're called to walk through them with confidence in the one who overcomes the world. We're called to serve through them in the confidence of the one who overcomes the world. Our anchor verse is out of Psalm 77, verse 14. And there the psalmist writes, You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Pastor Ben spoke last week and reminded us that uh, we need to respond in faith to what God is doing, that we need to remember what God has done and meditate on God's mighty deeds 
and declare God's power as we pray persistently and prepare practically to see what he will do. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts at chapter 9, at the end of the chapter. And I would invite you to get your Bible out, whether it's on a phone or a tablet or, or uh, a book. And let's hold those up and let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word that gives life. We thank you for your word in Jesus that uh, gives us life. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, we're going to be looking at the story of Tabitha. It's recorded in Acts 9, verses 36 through 43. And uh, this is the way that Luke writes it. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with him. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with him. But Peter put them all uh, outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So the story opens with Tabitha. Verse 36, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. I didn't say this at the first sermon, but uh, perhaps I, I need to, to give you a little clue. Uh, Tabitha is an Aramaic word that means gazelle or antelope, and often people name their daughters after beautiful animals. And Dorcas is the Greek word that is the same, antelope uh, or gazelle. And Luke is writing primarily to a Greek audience, and so he wants them to understand what the significance of that name is. And so the rest of the story, it's about Dorcas, but uh, Tabitha is her Aramaic name. Luke gives us the, the bare facts that she was a believer in Jesus, that she was a disciple, that she was devoted to good works. Um, she had said yes to Jesus as a believer, uh, she recognized who Jesus was. She'd heard uh, the preaching, and she said yes to Jesus, and she was a believer. So often we take that step, and we think that's the end, uh, that now we're a believer, that we're saved, uh, that we can just wait until God takes us home. But Tabitha had caught a vision of what it means to be not only a believer in Jesus, but to be a disciple of Jesus. And so she had taken that step of saying yes uh, to being a disciple of Jesus. It's interesting that the word uh, used in um, this passage has the female ending for, uh, for gender rather than the male one. And, and so Luke is very clear to say that she was a female disciple uh, and, and points out that she was not only a believer but a disciple, one under the discipline of Jesus. And, and therefore, that status, that category, that ability is open to everyone 
uh, who believes, that we can all be disciples of Jesus. Uh, Luke says that she was uh, full of good works and acts of charity. And that phrase, full of, Luke uses in lots of different places to describe people. And what he means by that is that they were devoted to whatever he describes. And so Tabitha was devoted to good works and acts of charity. That became the focus of her life and of her ministry. There are circumstances in her life that limited her. She was a single woman, and so she had limited opportunity. There was a narrow circle that was set by her culture and her circumstance that prevented her from doing just anything. But within that context, she found a way to serve that she could do. She had said yes uh, to Jesus. She said yes to being a disciple of Jesus. And, and she used her experience in ways that would provide uh, comfort and hope and encouragement for people similar to her that were on the margin, widows particularly. She was instrumental in providing care uh, to widows. Not only did she sew the garments and put them together and embroider them and make them beautiful, uh, but given her time and circumstance, that meant that she actually took the yarn and the thread and wove the cloth out of which she made the garment. So she was a craftsman in the way that she did that. And she gave each one of her garments with love and compassion to uh, the widows. She used her circumstance to serve the Lord. She combines the nature of uh, Mary and Martha. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to learn. And Martha was the one that was hustling and bustling around trying to serve and take care of everyone and make sure that their needs were met. And Tabitha had learned to do both, to be a disciple, to learn from Jesus, to be under discipline by him, but also to take what she's learning and begin to use it uh, to serve the people around her. Paul encourages us in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 3 uh, and four, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Basically, what Paul is saying is that when we are in the midst of affliction, God has given us comfort. And now we're able to take that and find people that have, are undergoing the same affliction that we went through and provide comfort for them. That is, we get to take our circumstance, our difficulty, the things that we're walking through, and begin to use them in ways to serve people who are doing or going through something that is similar. You see, we're, we're called and saved to serve. It's not simply about being saved. It's about being saved to serve. And so often it is our afflictions and circumstances, the things that are not right, that are broken, where we found healing, uh, the relationships that aren't right, that get healed. It is in those places that we are called to be able to serve and use what we've experienced and received from God to give it to someone else because we can identify with what they're going through. And we're able to provide encouragement and comfort to them because we know what it is that they're going through.
when I say this, it, it may seem obvious to you, but uh, what I have learned in the experience that Lori and I have walked through is, is this. That when everything is perfect in our life, if everybody had a perfect life and there were no problems, then there would be no opportunity to bring encouragement to somebody. There would be no room for God to move in a person's life because there was no need. And so when we receive and walk through difficulties, in part it's so that other people can step in and provide encouragement and comfort, and it's so that God can step in to our life and move in powerful ways. And so our affliction, our difficulty, our challenge is not so much about things that we've done wrong or, or not right or that we're out of sync with what God is about. It's simply an opportunity for God to be moving. It's an opportunity for people to step up and step in and bring comfort and encouragement. And so when you are experiencing those rough moments of life, reframe it. And look at ways that you can use what you're going through, the comfort that you've received from other people and from God. How can you use that to provide comfort and encouragement to someone else? If you ask that kind of question, you'll give meaning to what you're going through. And that is, in part, what Tabitha was all about. In verse 37, Luke makes very clear that Tabitha died. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. There is an injustice at the heart of this story. Tabitha is struck down in her prime. Her service is incomplete. She's just getting started on this ministry of taking care of widows uh, in the church and in the community. Her service is incomplete. Her impact is cut short, and her family is grieving her loss. The church family is grieving her loss. And so they prepare her for a funeral. They, they take her body, and they wash it lovingly, and they lay it out in the upper room, uh, robed and respectful, so that people can pay, pay their respects, and they can come and say their last goodbye. And, and they're very heartbroken by this circumstance. When Peter arrives, verse 39, as we jump ahead, uh, the widows are there in that upper room. And as Peter comes, they are taking their garments, their gifts that they've received from, from Tabitha, and they are crying and they're sharing the story of what Tabitha did for them of how she loved on them, how she gave them encouragement, and how they uh, received from her these clothing items that spoke to how precious they were to her. And they're crying and weeping and mourning and telling the story, and, and Peter is there. Tabitha touched their life uh, deeply. Tabitha was uh, their shepherd. the one who nurtures, the one who protects, the one who gathers. And she was their pastor, their shepherd, the one who had brought them together. And she used her gifts to serve them, her craftsmanship. In all its levels of, of complication, she used 
with love. And she had mercy and encouragement and wisdom and faith that went with each gift. And she touched their life at a deep level. All of us have had hard things in which to walk. And they're difficult to be sure, yet God is able to use them to help us to be sure, but to provide encouragement to our church family, our community, to have a strategic impact on our world. And it simply boils down to doing the simple things that we know to do, to be kind, to encourage one another, to share your love, to trust in the goodness of the Father. If we do those simple things, we'll have a huge impact on our community and on our church. And so the church at Joppa sent for Peter, verse 38, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. And so Peter came. Lydda and Joppa are about 17 miles apart. Uh, if you walk it as they had to do, that's about a seven-hour journey. Uh, Tabitha uh, may have been still alive but sick when they left and died as they were on the way or uh, as the sequence of the narrative is that she died and then they went. Uh, but at either rate, it is a while before Peter arrives, um, maybe a day or two, uh, given the time span and the distance and the way that they had to walk and move. And so Peter arrives. He was close by. He'd been healing the sick in that place. And uh, they just asked him to come uh, quickly. And the expectation is that since they've laid her out for a funeral, that perhaps Peter would come and do the funeral for them. Uh, that, that he would be there to speak words of comfort and bring closure uh, to them uh, and that they wanted him to be present. Um, there may have been the expectation that since she was sick when they left that Peter would come and do a healing for them. Uh, but at any rate, Peter arrives and, and she is laid in the upper room in state. It is uh, wonderful that Peter models his response after the work of Jesus. If you want to know how to do something in the Bible, look to Jesus and do it the way that he would do it. Uh, there are plenty of examples of the way that he acted and worked, and we can follow that, and that's exactly what Peter did. Verse 40, Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when, Peter, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. This is the place where the story uh, takes a turn. Uh, did he come? Did Peter come to perform the funeral? Uh, did they send for Peter while Tabitha was still alive and she died before Peter could arrive? But at any rate, Peter is facing limits. This is the first recorded resurrection done by someone other than Jesus that's in the New Testament. Now, they may have done resurrections that just didn't get written down, uh, but this is the first one that has been recorded. And so when Peter arrives, uh, he's asking questions of his Lord. He knows that he's healed before because he was just in Lydda and he did that. But now his question is, may I resurrect? Is that something that you want me to do, Lord? And we know that when Jesus called his disciples, Matthew 10 tells a story of that, that he commissioned them, he authorized them, he sent them out. And he gave them authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, heal the lepers, and raise the dead. So Peter has authority 
to do that, but he's asking about that as he humbly kneels. Now, Peter had been a part of miracles that Jesus had done. Matthew 17, 27 tells a story uh, there of how Peter asked Jesus about the temple tax because someone outside the group said, hey, you know, you need to pay the temple tax. And Peter went to Jesus and said, we, we need to pay the temple tax, but we don't have any money. And Jesus said, Peter, is a, uh, does the ki- son of the king have to pay the tax? And Peter said, well, no. And then Jesus says, well, just so you know that uh, we're going to take care of that, I want you to get out of the lake, and I want you to throw in a line with a hook, and when you catch a fish, bring it up and look in the fish's mouth. And Peter did that. He caught a fish. He opened his mouth, and there was a shekel inside. That's enough to pay the tax for Peter and for Jesus. So Peter had been a part of miracles. Uh, Matthew 14, 29 talks about Peter walking on the water. And the story is that the disciples had been sent ahead across the lake by Jesus, and he had stayed and prayed, and then he came walking across the water, and they were scared because it was in the middle of the night and they saw this figure on the water and they didn't really know who it was. And Peter called out and said, If it's you, Lord, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, that's when he sank. But Jesus, had, uh, Peter had been a part of that miracle. And even at Lydda, uh, Peter had healed a man who had been paralyzed for eight years. Verse um, 33 and 34 tells the story of uh, Aeneas in Lydda. But in Acts 3, there is the story of Peter, James, and John who are going to the temple to, to worship. And there is a man who is begging at the gate called Beautiful. And he's asking for alms. He wants money. And, and Peter looks at him and says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise and walk. And the man went leaping and walking and praising God in the temple with him. And it drew a big crowd, and Peter preached a great sermon, and many were saved. In this story of Peter and the way that he uh, treated Tabitha, there are parallels with the miracles that Jesus had done. Jesus healed uh, Jairus' daughter, and when Jesus was there. He took Peter, James, and John and the parents into the upper room, but he put the mourners outside uh, to keep them, and Peter put the widows outside so that he could go in. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, he said, Talitha kumi, and he spoke to her, and she arose. And Peter spoke to Tabitha the same way, saying, Tabitha, arise. Peter's mother-in-law had been sick in Capernaum, and when Jesus came to the house, he healed her. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And Peter did the same thing, gave his hand to Tabitha in the same way to raise her up as well. But there is a significant difference in the way that Peter acted and what Jesus did. And that difference is this, that the very first thing that Peter did was to turn to the Lord. He humbled himself, he knelt, he prayed, He listened, he sought the Lord's will for Tabitha before he did anything else. And that's significant for Peter. Do you know that Peter is uh, rash and impetuous, that so often he speaks before he thinks, and so often he ends up with his foot in his mouth because of what he says? 
And there are moments when he speaks impulsively but speaks a truth uh, that needs to be heard as when he spoke that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, the Christ. But here, Peter waits. He humbles himself. He prays before he acts. Do you realize that uh, no human being heals in their own power or ability? Peter is not the one who healed Tabitha. Peter asked the Lord to do that, to use himself as an instrument of God's power. But it is Jesus who does the healing. It is the spirit that quickens and restores life. And the truth is that any one of us can pray and ask the Father. And our Father will act because he loves us. As Pastor Ben so often says, Daddy says yes. And he wants us to ask. Next, Peter turned to the body. And and Luke is very specifically in, in saying that, that he turned to the body. And he spoke life to her. He spoke words of power and life. Tabitha, arise. He called her by name and invoked the spirit of Jesus to restore her. We need to speak life into people. When we come alongside of them in their difficulty, we need to speak encouragement, hope, comfort, that we need to be there to stand with them. And we need to be the people that speak life in the name of Jesus Christ. Because as we do that, people will come alive and respond to what God is doing. And the response of Tabitha is a gradual response. The very first thing that she did was just open her eyes. Her eyes opened and she was able to look around and she saw Peter and recognized him. And then she sat up. And then Peter gave her his hand to help her up. And and so uh, Peter was able to turn to the assembly of God's people and present her to the saints and the widows. He presented Tabitha to them, restored to her community and to her ministry, that she was alive. God moves in powerful ways when we ask him for simple things, and he responds, and he always responds in his own time, in his own way, but he responds in love. And so Peter was able to present her as he turned to the community that she was alive and restored. Now the town of Joppa heard this story that she was alive, verse 42, and it came, became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You see, Tabitha was known by many. They, they had seen her ministry taking care of widows, and she had probably reached outside of the community of faith to widows that were just in the community to take care of them as well. And they know that she had died, that she probably had been dead a couple of days, and that now she was alive because she's walking in their midst. And the faith of people was quickened by this miracle because they knew that she was dead and now she was alive. They gave glory uh, to Jesus and they turned to him in faith. We're saved to serve. Tabitha believed in Jesus and was a disciple engaged in service. Her death created a space for the Father to work, and Peter modeled his actions on the actions of Jesus. I would invite the band uh, to the platform, the worship team. I'd invite you to stand as you're able.
Imagine what your life would look like if you said yes to Jesus. That if you said yes to him as your savior, if you said yes, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to learn from him. I want to engage in his work after him. What would your life uh, look like if we used our circumstance, your circumstance, as an opportunity rather than a limit? I believe that our Father would do amazing things in you and I. Imagine what our life as a congregation would be like together if we stopped complaining about our limits and allowed the Father to move through them. What would we look like as God's people if we trusted the Father to use us as his instruments of grace? That we would be yielded to him, that he would use us in, in ways that we couldn't even imagine now, but ways that are waiting for us. What would it be like for us as a, as a congregation if we humbly sought his will before we acted? I believe that many would turn to the Lord as they saw him move on our behalf because of who we are as his people. Would you pray with me? Well, loving God, we thank you that you are calling us not only to be believers in Jesus, but to be servants of Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus. Father, help us to say yes. Help us to give you our circumstance, our limitations, and allow you to move in them in ways that we can't imagine right now. That you are the Father who opens up opportunities for us as we say yes. And so, Father, I ask that you would move in us, that you would encourage us, and, and that you would use our stories as means and ways of drawing people into your kingdom. Bless us now in his name. Amen. Action steps for this week on the screen. I want you to humbly sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. I want you to give him your circumstance and allow him to move in that space. And then I want you to ask specifically to show you how to use your experiences to serve his family.